Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of October 2018. You probably noticed in the last couple of weeks I've had a pretty heavy, heavy cold, but it's also an allergy. And this particular allergy used to hit me always in the spring when the snow would melt and you'd all that rotting vegetation being from the previous year being exposed to the air. And I'd come down with incredible allergies for a few weeks, actually, and with, with nose running, 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 and coughing and spluttering. And now it's also happening going into the winter. And sure enough, here we are in October, and for the last week or so at night has been at the freezing mark, and tonight it's even below the freezing mark. So it's uh, radical changes, of course. And that's what you get in this, this part of the country, in Canada. Uh, but however, I do think all this heavy, heavy aerial spraying we've been having for years now, since 1998, like officially, that is, has put a lot of stuff into the, into the air and comes down on the ground, and uh, it's not good for plants or animals or humans. That's common sense, of course. And even the geoengineering experts, as they call themselves, uh, who claim they're only testing it out (laughs) on the atmosphere, they admit this could could have detrimental effects on people, basically, and animals too. So obviously, there's a lot of things going on. Most things that happen in reality are never told to the public. And I hope you understand that. Tonight, I'm going to touch on some of that because... The reality that we have is limited to simply who you bumped into today or talked to today or what happened in your life today because anything outside your personal life is almost top secret in this day and age as we're run by a myriad, a a pyramid. It truly is a good symbol, a multi-level pyramid all the way up to a capstone of organizations professional, semi-governmental, etc., all working together, managing all of us, our thoughts, and right from birth, in fact, as soon as you get into uh, the ability to understand anything at all, they've got children's stories out there for your cartoons, and all the PC updates, the political correct updates, are already, already in there, embedded in it, and, and they go into the school, so that every radical change is planned in their lifetime, just as it was in yours will come to pass and you'll accept it as all quite normal. I'm not exaggerating about this. This is truly how it works. It's a massive, massive organization with a myriad, as I say, a myriad of levels, all using our tax money mainly, but but managing our, our thoughts, our behavior, and everything. What you believe, what you're going to be taught not to believe anymore, and what you're going to be taught to accept it's so precise in this day and age. It was discussed in the 1800s, by the way. And the communist Gramsci talked about it and how to undermine the, the Western culture was to basically alter gradually its, the, the culture itself. The Frankfurt School talked about that more openly. Other ones before them, too, talked about it more openly, how they would destroy everything that was normal in Western civilization. Everything. Remember, everything means everything. Underline Everything. <laughs> everything. Everything that was part of your culture and normalcy had to be destroyed. And you're still living through it today. 
Only now they bring on all psychological experts and professionals to, to explain to you why anything that's really nasty or dirty or just upsets you is like normal today. They haven't stopped, by the way. It's got a long way to go yet. Long way to go. And unfortunately, it will work because even Madame Blavatsky, the crazy old Blavatsky, who I won't even go into the history. I did it years and years ago on the air. But Blavatsky herself, with all her frauds and, and, and you know, uh, fake answers from spirits coming out of the air and envelopes and so on. Uh, but she, she definitely uh, was granted a form of Freemasonry to bring in the world helpers, which also would bring in feminism through her, the ones who took over from her when she died. And uh, they even sat on the board of the founding board of the Fabian Society on how to destroy the family unit, the women that she picked. But Bavatsky herself was in trouble, for those who don't know it, in London newspapers at a point, because she was molesting other women in the working houses that she'd set up for them. You've got to really do more than... Whenever you see something presented... Here's, here's a hero to respect. You better dig. You better do a lot of digging. Honestly, I don't look for saints, but at the same time, I look for some kind of, that, that word again, that kind of word of, of a normalcy, of con- continuity. If you don't have it, if, if it's getting broken or destroyed or, or turned upside, there's something else going on here. Something else going on. Don't forget that, that we're basically owned. Our cultures are owned. Our systems are owned. Everything through the money system is owned, obviously. Rothschild himself said that. I don't care. You know, he says, give me the control of the money of a nation. Uh, And I care not who runs the government. Because everybody in government will be subservient to the guy with the purse strings, which is himself. It's a roundabout way of saying that he was already in charge of all. The, The person in charge of money will always be in charge of all. And that's why people have tried in the past to take back power from the big banking system, which is completely fraudulent with compound interest and paper money based on nothing. Based on nothing. I mean, how can you beat that if you own it all? So anyway, again, Blavatsky talked about it, and she said that that a, a system would come into play using techniques that obviously had been well-tested long before. Again, it goes all the way back to even before Plato, that kind of technique of controlling people. Knowledge is never lost, especially the knowledge of control and power. Never lost. So Blavatsky said that, that, that people would be influenced in, tech, in ways that wouldn't even know what were happening to them. It's all happening today. We've all had it during our upbringing. Especially everybody born after World War Two. Especially. And it's been awfully, awfully successful. Aldous Huxley, I put up the link many, many times years ago and, and up to the present, where he talks about that on the Mike Wallace show, I think it was, that the techniques have been found that worked. He was talking about behaviorism and psychology, mass psychology, who understood, understood the behavior of people, psychodynamics and so on. And he knew that it was being used on the public and it could influence them to do things that perhaps, as he said, perhaps it was not in their best interests to do. It could influence you to do things to change your behavior, not for your own benefit, but for those who controlled you. It's never been more prevalent than today. There are many, you could do shows and shows and shows just rattling off the names 
in the courts of people who talked about this. And it's all come to pass. And here's, here's a sad thing you always find, and I've always found it. You can always point fingers at groups and peoples. And you'll be right too with many of them <laughs> who, who can band together in clubs and so on and manage the world, just like cabals and, and, and cartels do in commerce. And they can certainly control uh, the destiny of nations, especially when international corporations run the world, supposedly, today. But the CEOs are also selected through this, from this big pyramidal system very carefully at a young age. In fact, anybody who's anybody is picked very young for the jobs they have to do. I've done shows on this over many years to show you that organizations especially from the EU, the European Union, for instance, and common purpose and things like that, uh, they literally have training exercises out to pick youngsters to, to create future leaders. Last week or the week before I did a show, which also included something to do with, with the world government system and everything to do with the massive movement towards total globalization. The leaders are picked long before you'll ever hear of them. Long before, when they're teenagers, some of them as young as 10 and 11 and 12, in fact, before they're teenagers. And, and they are trained to see the world in a tunnel vision. And it's easy to do when you live a life of luxury, because you will be put into a life of luxury. Doors open for you, and you're given all this uh, deference and money. Money is a great persuader for most people, unfortunately. And getting back to what I was saying, you'll find people in all ages, all ages, and every nation can get bought off. It's not sad with money. And I think it's sad. Now, I've met plenty of folk who, who claim to have psychopathic traits and so on, who see nothing wrong with that. And they've got a thousand excuses immediately that will come to their lips. Uh, well, if I don't take the money, they'll pick somebody else to do this and so on. Yeah, yeah. That's a common, common thing you'll hear all the time. You'll hear the same things with people who, who are the thugs for governments and organizations, the heavies, the guys who do the wet jobs. And, and uh, although most of them aren't so wet, they're, they're done very cleverly through chemicals and, and high-tech weaponry now, <laughs> very high-tech weaponry that don't leave many, many marks at all, if any. Quiet weapons... You know, there are silent weapons for quiet wars, you might say. And they have them. Even I was looking at something the other day. It was to do with a handheld device for the thermal energy that they're using on crowd control. But they have handheld ones now as well. But they've had them. I even managed to find them going back to the 1930s. They've been testing stuff out like this. Microwave. Huh? Whatever we're given today, as I say, is a general lie or... or or rehashed or whatever, but we're controlled, as I say, so early. And the, the behaviorists have, and that's why Jack Jalal knew this as a, you know, basically a, a philosopher, but he said that they've got to get the children early. For the initial indoctrination, there is a, a particular initial indoctrination that prepares them, the child's mind to accept further indoctrination down the road. Without it, it's, it's a more difficult task to get the later indoctrination working. But children, let's be honest, you see, we've all been there, haven't we? Some of us are soul children, I think. But anyway, you, 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 you remember, you're very naive. You have no reason to mistrust people. 
at least on a on that kind of level. I mean, adults constantly drum into you how you're a child and you're silly, but but adults are serious and honest and you know somehow mature. It isn't until you get old that you realise that that's a lot of nonsense, a lot of nonsense. I've said before, most young guys especially have some kind of mentors or look up to or read or whatever to give them ideas about life and what it's all about, etc. It isn't until one day you've got folk are asking you what you think about it, they realise that it's an ongoing process. You never stop learning. Never stop learning. And some folk get stuck into a particular mode of understanding and it becomes like a doctrine to them and they never change from there on. They become like the ones that they try to expose. They're stuck there. They're just stuck, stuck, stuck. They don't realize it's much, much bigger than even that. Much bigger. But the bottom line comes down. In all ages, when money has existed, and money has become a substitute for living, hmm? it really has. Until you can't live without it. You're not, in fact, you're not allowed to live without it. You just can't go out and hunt anywhere. And survive, or be allowed to hunt for that matter, and just survive in most places today. Eventually, there'll be nowhere that will be allowed. And there'll be nowhere you can just grow food. Just like the diggers in Britain, where they went out to try to reclaim some of the common lands, and they were killed because they weren't allowed anymore to, to grow their own food on land that at one time was by law, for ancient law, had been. Provided set aside for for them and their animals to feed on, won't be allowed. Everything you understand that you need is a form of control by those who take it over and own it all. That's why energy is never going to be free for anybody. I don't care what you say, won't happen. It's just like the windmills and all that. Very lucrative business, very lucrative. And I did talks years ago on when. You looked at the contracts that were handed out across Britain And they're all put on lands Owned by lords, British lords And landed estate people In the establishment That's where the money went All funded of course by the taxpayer Everything is funded by the taxpayer All corporations are funded by taxpayers They don't build their own institutions Or workplaces or whatever happens to be Or production factories We do all for them and, we're, and people can't realize this anymore. They, they can't realize this public-private partnership business, which is closer to the idea of fascism, although I think all systems, including communism, become fascist. You know? I, I think that uh, folk can't realize that there's no such thing as democracy. I don't think there's ever been any real system of democracy. It can't be. It can't be. I remember doing talks too about the communes that they had through the, the 60s. It wasn't, it wasn't a new idea either. They had it in pre-World War II Germany at one point, after World War I, I should say. They had um, the Lebensraum, and also the, the, it wasn't just living room, it was also for, for living space, living with nature. The same old thing that they're rehashing today as they force you to, to live in these little, tiny little apartments for the you know, thermal heating and all that kind of stuff and ecosystems. But the, the, but back then, folk wanted to get into the, the countryside, the, the pre-hippies, you might call them, 
and back to nature and become vegetarian, etc. It's not new at all. Only today, um, the whole idea is of all things uh, natural are given to us by, again, professional marketers who own things like the food that you eat and even the chemicals that they put in the food and the genetically modified food you're eating in the first place. We're always, whatever movement is set up has taken over, is what I'm saying. Often, the big boys themselves start up the movements and then use it, maybe 20, 30 years later, because they've got all the time in the world, if they're intergenerational planning in institutions and foundations. Foundations can go on for centuries accomplishing their goals. That's why they're called foundations, like the Rock of Ages. But the folk come and go, the majority of the people, the public come and go. And whatever is taught to them at the time, they will believe all their, their lives long. When they'll be told when they be angry about certain things, so they'll want something that's been told to them what they want, because otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be made angry in the first place. If you're made angry, you're asked, what do you want? And you're guided to what you want. And it's generally big corporations that tell you to what you, what you want. <laughs> For instance, how about feeding the world? When you, I remember the slogans and the big ads for, for genetically modified foods and uh, the agribusiness run by the chemical industries. And they told us what we wanted. Feed the world. That was their slogan. And, and that was to offset that the, the massive backlash that they had from, from a lot of the public who were up on things. They didn't want frankenfood, as they called it. They didn't want more cancers from the pesticides of these chemicals and so on, of these specialized GM foods. And so that, so you offset that by, but how can you claim that mum's apple pie, you understand? How can you, is he attacking mum? We're going to feed the world. No, no, no. You're dealing with a corporation that exists for profit. Profit, folks. Nothing to do with helping. It's like the ads for the big corporations or even chain stores. You've been brought up with them. We are part of your community, say the billboards. Really? No. They're there to plunder you and get as many bucks out of you as they can possibly get. If they could force government or tell government, maybe they even have to force them. I mean, money does go a long way, doesn't it, in the right quarters, in the right ways. If they could get government to demand that you buy their products, then, then, then you know, you'd be buying their products by law. Government is just like your money, it's elastic. It really is. The same governments that are telling you what you can say or not say today would have been slamming the things you, that, that you're being told you must accept today. They've been slamming them a few years ago. To different general, to the same generation too. Hmm? It's elastic. Government is there to enforce the mandates of those who control the system. And it's not the people. When have you ever been asked to participate in, apart from voting for candidates that you're, that present, you're presented with, if, you know, Politburo 1, 2, or 3, you don't care what party they belong to. When have you ever been asked on an official vote on something that really mattered to you personally? Like, do, do you want to have the same purchasing power off your dollar or your pound notes that you did in 1960 or 70? That'll never happen. 
course it won't happen. Instead, you've got unelected representatives for, for private banks. They're given the power over everyone's life. Everyone. Everyone will live and die or be rich or poor according to the mandates. These characters come out and say, well, today your, your money's worth this. You know? And then they gamble the debt on, on a big world market. And they can buy up the debt and buy bonds and so on. They gamble. They create debts. They have you vote for the people who are standing up for this system, which makes you obey them, you see, by giving them the vote. It's a legality. And then they, they, they tell you, oh, sorry, you know, inflation is just going out of control and it's worth less and less and less, you know. Tighten your belts. And we're told this in an age they're bringing us into austerity, the big world governmental system. And there is a system. It doesn't have to even sit in a big building, folks. Never really did with communications, even before you had electricity. There, there were massive merchant groups, massive ones across the world, that passed on all their secret messages by ship, you know, travel by ship and post. And today it's much easier with electronics, of course. And there are conferences and telecalls and yada, 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 and internet chat rooms and so on. But you run by systems, as I say. They don't even run the same internet system that you do. But in all ages, in all ages, that's, that's been the key to every, every country being taken over by the same system. As you can buy off people everywhere you look, actually, in a system where they've terrified everybody of being poor. That's, that's the big hold over your head. Do you want to be poor? Do you want to starve to death? And you say, well, I won't starve. I'll just go off into the bush. And, oh, well, in this day of satellite, they're watched everything you do, where you're going or the rest of it. Well, you can't live there. I don't know if they even changed the law in Canada, but they had a law here that if you went into a, a, some crown land or whatever it was, they still call it crown or feral land or whatever, and some different territories... And uh, if you obviously squatted for so many days, you had marked off your boundaries. It was yours after so many days. Well, they always turn up before the, the two weeks or however, however long it is, is up. I can't remember how long it is. But I don't think they even bored changing it from the books because they've got rangers all over the place. They can turn up and uh, you used to, that should kicked off. Other countries have the same kind of thing too. And through the United Nations, of course, uh, this other unelected... How can folk even pretend you've got something called democracy? You never had it. Switzerland had the closest system where the participants, the public themselves, were allowed to participate on everything that mattered. And their vote mattered. It wasn't just an opinion of the public. It was a vote. Yeah. But no one else has had that. Even some, I was even reading some of the, the EU present and past leaders and so on. And some of the things that happened over the years where they'd said different things and quipped and so on. But they actually admitted that it wasn't democratic themselves, that democracy didn't exist. I read the quotes years ago on the air at the time of radio stations from people who used to be dissidents in the old Soviet Union who then studied the European Union Parliament, the EU Parliament. After the, the Soviet Union went down, supposedly went down, and they said that this was worse than the Soviet Union. 
that this strange system of the EU, the parliamentary system, where, yeah, they can yap as much as they want, but they couldn't change anything. The laws were all made from the commissioners at the top, and they were pretty well secret. Well, how can you even... Why would you pretend that you have some kind of happy democracy when you don't even know who rules you? And that's the word. You see, rule, rulership, a ruler. It's a a bit different from a governor. Most folk don't even know the difference today because they presented all these people with their fancy titles, very official-sounding titles, Titles which are often militaristic, like lieutenant governors and lieutenant generals of the of or the of, or the e, or the UN, even for that matter. Hmm? Well, what you run by a, a military dictatorship, some kind of military dictatorship, is that what it is? Do you know anybody in your in your ancestry who had a vote on any of this? No, of course you didn't. The UN didn't ask for your, your vote on anything. But through, again, this great pyramid of systems, they certainly help run it all. I don't say they do run it all. They help run it all because they take orders as well. So getting back to what I said earlier, there's nothing new in the system. Even when they change the names of it or think are parts within it. It's, it's like I mentioned the nudge units and so on, the behavior insights teams across the world now. They really are only part, but a big part, but it's still a, a part of nudging your behavior and your opinions without you even knowing you're doing it. Daily, using millions of dollars and pounds of your tax money. They have no consciences. You understand there's, there's not a single tyrant in the world would ever say they were doing something bad to the people. Never do that. Whatever they do, the, the power the power hungry would always tell you it's for the best, it's for the good of whoever. But you'll never find them saying it was for, it was for the, the detriment of the people. Unless it was a, an enemy coming into a country, undermining and destroying you. Sometimes they, they, we've had that in the past, and they openly boast about it, which is rather amazing. But I get a psychopath's a hard time keeping their mouth shut when it comes to boasting about their, their conquests. There's been a war on a lot of humanity for an awful long time, centuries, many centuries. It isn't hard to get whiffs of it. It isn't hard sometimes to even to find books put out by a lot of those people involved in it. Today, there are more books than ever put out by those involved, and only the, many of them are professors today, many front people, pushing different aspects of society through socialism and socialistic causes, and etc., etc. Great-sounding things, but you never, you never sell a tyranny to the public by, by telling you what it is, would you? It's going to be wrapped up in, again, mum's apple pie, doesn't it? You can't complain about mum's apple pie or you're a bad person. But they do pick these, these folk awfully young, awfully, awfully young. And here's one, it's an example. You find lots of them if you dig in, but you see, who are these people who they pick up very young and groom them? My memory strong is one of them for sure.
definitely he was picked up by old Rockefeller at one point, and groomed and put in charge of oil fields, etc. To understand the business, they said, of how well, what wealth is and how you control it and how you control the masses through the wealth and what they need. And Maurice Strong, of course, was basically a champion, a bulldog for the environmental front group uh, to, to run, to get to put all the, everything that you need, including freedom itself, into the hands of those who take care of Mother Earth for you. Know that they know the ultra ultra rich that is, yeah. yeah. He was championed as a, oh, a great humanitarian, and he brought in Agenda Twenty One at the Rio summit and so on. Nobody elected Maurice Strong. None of the public ever did anywhere in the world. And you call yourself democracies, really? Hmm. So here's this guy, this front guy on behalf of the, the multi-trillionaires of the world and those who really, who know that they own it, they just want you to start to accept it. Makes it easier for them. Like old Rockefeller said, that he said, they'll come to us with perfect docility, meaning the general public. You train them to do so. Well, it's all through good cause. You want to save the animals. That's what they tell you. They're liars, these people. These are the same folk who bring you fracking, for goodness sake. And the same folk, they bring you electric cars. It's more expensive to buy them. You'll never, without government subsidies, which won't be there forever, uh, you couldn't ever afford them. But again, don't forget, these are the same guys who brought you Agenda 21, where there'll be no private vehicles eventually anyway. It all kind of ties together, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And these environmentalists, they don't bother reading the well-documented findings of the cost of making electric cars. And incredible pollution that causes just making these darn things. Never mind the batteries alone. Mm-hmm. See, facts don't matter when they bring in an emotive cause. And they train the public to be emotive. Now, here's a little clue for anybody who really wants to understand anything. You have to wean yourself away from being really, I hate to say this, but human. And just look at the world and everything in it and all the, all the different things they hit the public with every day through topics for news and so on. And pretend you're an alien. And don't get pulled into any emotional topic at all. Just look at it, but, but see what they want you to do. See what the talk show hosts, for instance, want you to be angry about or to be for. But anything to do with emotion, don't you love the furry little whatever? And, and don't you be angry about this, blah, blah, blah. Look what they want. And do you realize that every day, everybody's been hammered, hammered with those who pull the strings of emotion. But the, the facts are in scarce supply for anything. And I've said before, for everything that happens in politics, there's a good reason. And then there's a real reason. It's the same with everything else that's hit, you're hit with every single day. Because we're, we're under control like it's never been before. Never been before. Never, ever been before, honestly. So let's look at this particular guy, Peter Sutherland, who died last January. Once again, you, you get these little 
thoughts in your head that perhaps he was picked out, just like Bertrand Russell said, being a, a bit brighter, maybe, as they call it, in some level, and put in through different scholarships, etc. And as long as you're willing to rat out your own people, and your own class even, for that matter, and never look back, uh, then you'll, the doors will open and you're groomed and, and used. That's possible. It's possible that Sutherland was one of them. Possible. Because you're given a very scanty background on him, really, as far as his parentage, etc. You just don't know. But he's a good example of how they're picked, and many others too. In fact, anybody you look at who is anybody in the same movement that Peter Sutherland was in uh, was picked very young. And they're sellouts, you know. They're all sellouts, basically. I think they all know that they are, of course they are. But you look at Wikipedia, for instance, on, on him, and it says that he was born in 1946, died in January 2018, an Irish businessman, a barrister, it's a type of lawyer in the UK, and a politician who served as... You couldn't list all the things he was put into. UN Special Representative for International Migration. This is this mass migration that's going now across into Europe. From 2006 to 2017. And he was chairman of Goldman Sachs from 1995 to 2015. Director General of the World Trade Organization, the WTO. The, again, remember, remember that the, who created the United Nations and before it was League of Nations and the World Trade Organization and the IMF and the World Bank, etc. And the Bank for International Settlements. Who was that? Oh, yeah, it was that private group again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, it was called other things before that, even the, 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 the Milner Group and the Kindergarten, etc., 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 the secretive organization that also has branches across the world as comes from foreign relations and in the Americas and, and uh, even the European Institute for International Affairs for the, for the politicians in the European Union. All these elected people who are already sworn to this private global club. Is that something? So anyway... This guy, this little guy, just an ordinary little fella from Ireland, supposedly, we're told. You couldn't even list all the things and appointments that he had in his lifetime. So, size of a barrister, supposedly. Before that, he was, well, it says he was born in Dublin, educated at Gonzaga College in Dublin, and also partial Scottish ancestry. That could mean anything at all. And he graduated civil law at University College Dublin and practiced at the Irish Bar between 1969 and 1980. That's where always the big joke is that they always discuss their clients and what the, the verdict is going to be at the bar after the few drinks. Eh? Anyway, so he married his wife, uh, Maria Sutherland, a Spaniard, in 1974. So anyway, nothing special here apart from the fact that uh, he was taught definitely at a Jesuit college. Uh, initially our school, and they went to University College Dublin. And don't forget that many people from other um, other groups are taught at Jesuit colleges because it's better education. And don't forget too, Quigley said, Carl Quigley said that we, the organization that helped run the world and planned the future and so on, don't forget that uh, he talked about 
It says we have all kinds of people in our group. Communists, dictators, Democrats, fascists. It says we don't care, you know. That's something you have to understand here. See, all the leaders of everything you follow belong to this group. They're picked. And eventually they bring, just like a, it's like a kind of cartoon where a whole bunch of comets, the leaders eventually lead all the followers, the, trail, the tail of the comet, lead them all into the same pathway. And they never imagined it at the beginning. At least the followers wouldn't. Anyway, it says, Southern was appointed Attorney General of Ireland in June 1981. Resigning in March 1982 and taking up the post again between December 82 and December 84. And then he was put as the EU Commissioner, European Union Commissioner. Right? The Commission is, it says he was appointed in 1985 and the responsibility for competition policy and initially for 1985 only for education. Very, very important. That. He said that he was especially pleased to have proposed the establishment of the interesting name, this Erasmus program. <laughs> you should dig up your history on Erasmus. But here, the mechanism stands for European Regional Action Scheme for Mobility of University Students. That's no, <laughs> no mistake, the Erasmus program. That allows European University students to study in other member states. So, so think about that. Allows European University students to study in other member states. Now remember too, the mass migration policy he was also in charge of. And they've got all these strange rules. If someone comes in and manages to land in any of the EU countries, they become responsible of that EU country. But once they get a grant, you see, to go to another state, they can, they can do it from that country they've landed in and then go to them too. So it's another way to get a lot of, a lot of people in that, uh, that didn't come in. They come in the back door, put that way, a lot of folk. And it says he was chairman of the committee that produces Sutherland report as his own report on the completion. So he was the chairman of the committee that produced the Sutherland report on the completion of the internal market of the EEC, commissioned by the European Commission, and presented to the Council as Edinburgh meeting in 1992. It's all it's one group passing it around to the top, isn't it? And everybody's rubber stamps it. For 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 these, I call them psychopathic layabouts. So stacks of them. He was the youngest ever European commissioner and served in the first Delors Commission, where he played a crucial role in opening up competition across Europe, particularly the airline, telecoms and energy sectors. That means they diverted the taxpayers' money into the big corporations and energy sectors. Sutherland was described as an outstanding commissioner. One of his commission on that was for each job he took on. And then he was involved in, guess what? The massive projects that are running our lives today, the, the general agreement in trade and tariffs, or tariffs and trade, they call it, GATT, and the World Trade Organization, WTO. And later it says, um, Mickey Cantor, the US Trade Minister, credited him with being the father of globalization. This little guy from Ireland, eh? And said that without him, there would have been no World Trade Organization. My goodness, eh? The Uruguay round of the global trade talks concluded in December 93 with Sutherland as chair of, of general agreement on, on tariffs and trade. It just happened to just land in these, I guess he had something somewhere to sit down, eh? and just give them all these chairs everywhere, on these committees. Produced a comprehensive rules based in global trade regime. Imagine that, eh? 
which was the biggest trade agreement in history and established the World Trade Organization. His integral role in the successful conclusion of this negotiation has been cited as indispensable. My goodness, no kidding, eh? WTO, by the way, World Trade Organization, has its own private and a secretive, uh, it's got a chamber, a high chamber, they call it. And uh, this chamber has its own court system. And they decide who gets what trades and all the rest of it, and what deals. This is like a star chamber, they call it, in fact. Secret. So this guy, this little guy from Ireland, the, the just, you know, this little fella, and he just bumps into all these chairs he get, and keep giving them these chairs to sit on. And he's now the chairman of this and chairman of that. And, hmm? Do you realize that the mockery, uh, how they present this to the public, that, that you've got all these non-elected organizations, non-elected people running them, and they give you this, this guff here that this guy just happens to do this and just happens to... Who, who's kidding who? What about the power behind this little guy here? Hmm? Huh? What? So, chained Uruguay around Zealand employed tactics, of which had never been seen before in the, the GATT organization, the GATT. He worked to create the sense of unstoppable momentum by mobilizing the press and media. Well, of course, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which also owns the European or uh, International Affairs Organizations and every other one across the planet, owns the press. Their members all are, all part, are, are all part of the press. So he mobilized the press and media and instigated a more aggressive public relations than the state GATT had ever before seen, right? A 2013 book by Craig Van Grastek of the Harvard Kennedy School, published by WTO, The History and Future of the World Trade Organization, details Southern's role in the formation and establishment of the body. They make this guy out to be like a one-man, unstoppable superman, isn't he? Nonsense. Hmm? Every, every, these, every one of these organizations, every one of these particular things we're talking about, was, all came from one secretive organization. Unelected organization that gave us the UN, that gave us every organization attached to the United Nations, it gave us the World Bank and all these private banks and all the central banks around us all. Don't understand who really runs everything? And this little character here is only one little part of it that was put out there to rubber stamp things and put out, uh, you know, just be a, a figurehead basically, obviously. And it says on the elevation of the role of Director General, Aggressive rights official. The office is shaped to a great degree by the persons who occupies it. I guess it depends how wide you are and behind or something. You know. And Director General Pearson, who served both as the last GATT Director General and the first WTO Director General, redefined the role and the links between that office and the leadership and the members in a way that gave him and his successors additional options for the conduct of negotiations. He was instrumental in elevating the office of Director General to that one that direct. Uh, dealt with the presidents and prime ministers, not just ministers. A key factor in the success of negotiations in the political scheme of the world going forward. They're going forward to what? They're just they're, short, they're telling you of an agenda here to things that you get no, no vote in at all, never mind a say in. The body going forward, right? Forward means there's a plan and agenda. 
Well, what's the plan now? Well, look what he has attached. Look at all the organisations he's been putting here. Goldman Sachs, all these different organisations. European Commissioner. Hmm? The North Organisation. Head of the, 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 the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade and World Trade Organisation, etc., etc. Really? It's all the same agenda that was published many, many years before this guy was even born. So Sullivan was also the chairman of the Allied Irish Banks from 1989 till 1993. He was also a non-executive director of controversial construction materials giant CRH PLC from 1989 to 1993. Given that his preceding job was the EU competition commissioner, hmm? you know, you know, where you know, folks shake their hands when cross your palms with silver, perhaps, eh? This appointment proved to be something of a dichotomy when the CRH uh, PLC was fined in 1994 for its key role in the pan-European cement cartel. That was case number 4, 33.126 and 33.322. Well, what's wrong in the poor little guy that just walked to Ireland there, you know? Making a bit of money for himself, for goodness sake. I'm sure he wasn't getting paid much. He was non executive. It reminds me just like Maurice Strong. Because Maurice Strong was the head of, of a part of the United Nations at the time, and they brought him back to Canada and plonked him in the head of, the, of a supposedly a, the taxpayer owned, you know, Ontario Hydro. The corporation that ran the, the, the whole Ontario's uh, electricity system. And he came back to privatise it all, they put him in the chair of it all, and he privatised it all. And he was also getting money from the United Nations at the same time. And that, so he eventually he just stopped taking his paycheck from the UN until he was finished selling off uh, Ontario Hydro, the public institution that he sold off for peanuts to the private boys, you know. And, and they went back to the United Nations again. Hmm. Same thing, isn't it? But then I guess at that level, you, you have a different view of what corruption is, isn't it? And, and, you know, I mean, you don't really have much respect for the public in the first place, do you? He was also non-executive chairman of Goldman Sachs International, the old boy from Ireland, eh? a registered UK broker-dealer, subsidiary of Goldman Sachs until June 2015. Until June 2009, he was non-executive chairman of British Petroleum. Wow. Little guy from Ireland, being replaced by Carl Henrik Svanberg, formerly chief executive of Ericsson. Sutherland was a director of the Royal Bank of Scotland Group. By goodness me, this. Where did this guy get the energy, eh? Hmm? Goodness sakes. Hmm? Until he was asked to leave the board when it had to be taken over by the UK government to avoid bankruptcy. Well, my goodness, eh? And the guy's always such a winner, he just happens to have to. He has to bankrupt, uh, you know, banks. And, of course, they, they have to bring in the government to bail it out and take it over. Hmm, interesting. Eh? He also formerly served on the board of ABB. He served on the steering committee of the Bilderberg Group. My goodness, he was on the steering committee of it for ages until May 2014. And as an honorary chairman of the Trilateral Commission as well. My goodness, eh? Uh, he was chairman of the Trial Commission Europe 2001 to 2010 as well, and vice chairman of the European Round Table of Industrialists. This little barrister from Ireland. 
He was chairman of the Board of Governors of the European Chief Republic Administration, Maastricht from 1991 to 1996, and honorary president of the European Movement Ireland. Member of the Hong Kong Chief Executive's uh, Council of International Advisors between 1998 and 2005. Wow. Produced a sound report for the Portuguese government on the handover of Macau or to China in January 2000. President of the Federal Trust for Education and Research, a British think tank. Federal Trust Education and Research. And the ones that decide what brainwashing the children are going to have for the future. He was chairman of the Irish Fund of Great Britain from 2001 to 2009, part of the Ireland Funds, it says. Member of the Advisory Board of Business for New Europe. A new Europe. That sounds pleasant. You can't attack a nice, pleasant thing. A new Europe. A British pro-European think tank. They'll get to vote on it. Who are they? We don't know. It's all secretive, eh? He was a member of the Commission of the Human Security. Wow, that's a wonderful thing. Human Security set up by the Japanese government that reported to the United Nations in 2003. 2005 was appointed as Goodwill Ambassador for United Nations Industrial Development Organizations. Spring 2006 was appointed Chair of London School of Economics. Well, I'm not surprised with that one either. Council commencing in 2008, position he held until February 2015. He served on the International Advisory Board of the IESE, a graduate business school of Spain's University of Navarra. 2006, appointed by United Nations Secretary General Kofi Annan as his special representative for, for migration. Hmm. It's amazing how they could see all these big migration things that are going to happen many, many years ago before it actually started, eh? In this position, he was responsible for promoting the establishment of a global forum on the migration and development, a state effort open to all UN members that is meant to help governments better understand how migration can benefit their development goals. There you go. The global forum was, uh, was acclaimed by the UN member states of the United Nations High-Level Dialogue on International Migration and Development September 2006 and be launched in Brussels July 2007. For goodness sake, this guy is like a one-man army, isn't he? Really, right? So, he says here, he was appointed as consultant of the extraordinary section of the administration of the patrimony of the Apostolic See, a financial advisor to the Vatican. He's in the everything, Goldman Sachs, the Vatican, but wow, the Bank of Scotland, the Bank of this, the Bank of blah, 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 Goldman Sachs, oh, wow. How does he get the time to do all these other wonderful things, eh? And it says here, too, that he was ahead of the, the Irish government budget for 2011. So he was heavily involved in that, too, because they did a massive deal to really got screwed by the World Bank and the IMF, too, after getting all these different loans. Really, yeah? He was also a high-level group appointed by the governments of Germany, the UK, Indonesia, and Turkey to reports the conclusion of the Doha Round and the future of multilateral trade negotiations. This little barrister from Ireland... It goes on and on and on. I mean, I don't have time to say it all, actually. I really don't. It goes on and on. This is just, this is one third of the way through this thing. Mm-mm-mm. It's just amazing. Twice High Commissioner for Refugees by Kofi Annan. 13 years stint as Chairman of British Petroleum. Different boards he belonged to, German Insurer Alliance. Alliance is called in, in Cock Holding, Turkey's largest uh, conglomerate. A shipping company. 
BW Shipping located in Singapore as well. Yep, this guy seemed to be running the planet if you look, if you really believe all this stuff. And you look at all the different awards he was given, but they, they do, they, they throw awards at each other, like, like, like you get smothered in them. Uh, these characters are all the same, smothered in them. But multiculturalism is a big, big thing because he really uh, was very open about the fact that um, he, he wanted uh, complete multicultural society across Europe. Complete. I'll put up some links, too, to the organizations that uh, worked with them. They're still working yet. They work with your governments as well, by the way, to do with massive migration uh, influx into the whole of Europe and the West. And even the State Department in the U.S. have got, have got members working in there as well. Hmm. See, you're living in a different world than you think, folks, is what I'm saying here. Vastly different from what you think. And most folk have no idea, because it isn't spelled out to them on their daily talk shows, on, on FM radio, or whatever it is they're listening to, or, you know. It just doesn't, it isn't mentioned to them at all. Well, I'll put a link up to, to one of the articles, there's a, a few in much from the BBC. He talked about the need to basically stop the, destroy the homogeneity of Europe. He wasn't the only one, mind you. It might give you a clue to some of the organizations he's always working with, or maybe even belong to, you know, apart from all the UN organizations. But he was picked up very early, wasn't he? Very early, yeah. And I've got two other different organizations, or a few of them that you worked with, I should know all of them, on, on how they, they even train the migrants and, and how to get work, where to go to get work, what countries to, to move into. These are legal, really. These are people who are they're even, they're not even applying legally to come in. So the poor guys that uh, apply illegally uh, are on the back burner, aren't they? This is a different agenda at work, work here, isn't it? Completely, completely different agenda. I'll put up the links to the Global Forum on Migration and Development and a few other ones as well. And the BBC's article on Peter Sutherland and, um, and how he's quite open about the need to destroy the old uh, societies of Europe, for instance. Rather open about it. Now remember what I said at the beginning of this talk on how very little reality you really know, apart from what happens to you daily, on a daily basis, personally. If you stub your toe, you, you'll know it. But you'll never know what's really happening on the big wild scale, or world scale, the big world scale that affects your lives. Because it does. You're living in a, a pretty well, t totally controlled system today, and you don't know it. And the beauty for those who control it is, is that they've trained you not to know it. <laughs> Remember the, the behavioral insights teams I mentioned over a few weeks ago? I'll put up some, some links again tonight. But remember that these teams are there to persuade you in so many ways that you know, it's through everything, all ads and uh, little articles you'll read, you'll, uh, embedded stuff everywhere. It's in movies, it's in storylines to change your opinions about so many things. Getting back to what Aldous Huxley talked about that perhaps you're being persuaded in ways with, the, with these techniques that aren't really good for you at all. To accept things which are possibly detrimental to you. Think about that. Hmm? Think about Mr. Sutherland too, and his almost pathological hatred of the general public's 
that he felt had no say in the matter with all the things that he was helping to implement on top of them to affect millions and millions of people's lives. Hmm? Think of that. And think of the teams that work with him and Behavioral Insights, etc. And all the organizations that are still working there to persuade you to accept things and even to persuade you to accept things that you can see are detrimental when you look at the, the, the chaos of some of the countries trying to struggle with a, a massively growing welfare system and folk flooding in all the time. Think about that. And you better understand, there's a much bigger goal to it all. They're, they aren't stupid at the top. And a different system will come out when the whole thing collapses. And that's all planned for as well. That's what's expected to happen. And obviously wanted to happen by those in charge of it. A new system, eh? Brand new system. And think of Mr. Bernays, for instance. He knew this a long time ago as well. An awful long time ago. He also loved to boast about it because he was a master manipulator. Well, he was one of many, though. Because if we understand the mechanisms and motives of the human mind, is it not possible to control and regiment the masses according to our will without their knowing about it? He worked with government after government, by the way, as well as private corporations. The recent practice of propaganda has proved that it's possible at least up to a certain point and within certain limits. He also said, in almost every act of our lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business or in some social conduct or ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires to control the public mind. And he also said some, again, it's all important, of course. Because, see, he wasn't just talking about it. He was helping to to implement it in his day. And today it's much, much bigger. It's everywhere you look. He says, The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. So isn't that paradoxical? Because you think you're all free with your own minds and so on in a democratic society. But he's telling you the, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Well, I hope your thinking caps on and... For those who want to know, a lot of folk don't really care. <laughs> but again, the conditioning has been rather perfect. There's a form of perfect conditioning that works on, on most folk, most people. Now, everyone wants to belong to their peer group. You don't want to be shunned because you say something which is politically incorrect. Which yesterday was perfectly correct. Because just like your currency being elastic, so is your culture now and your opinions. From myself, Alan Watchman to your Canada, it's good night. I mean your God or your gods go with you.